Do you, as the listener, do you know anybody that you sit around with? Do they start talking about how excited they are about their 401k and excited about what it's doing for them and the things that they're going to be able to do later on in life with it? Because I don't, but I do know a lot of people that are really passionate about life insurance and the benefits that it has and the benefits that you can actually utilize today right? and be able to go do amazing things. Well, and I, and I think it's, it's less about, I mean, when, when the market goes up, everyone loves, loves their 401k, but, the, but the, do they really like the 401k or do they just like, like you don't, I guarantee you, you don't fully understand how this whole thing works. And it, the more you understand about like how these things actually work, how it works actually at retirement, like it becomes a little bit less desirable and no one really loves life insurance, but I would argue that they love what it can do for them. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. All right, everyone, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast. My name is Caleb Williams, and in this episode, I am so excited because I am sitting with one of my best friends and the person that helped me co-found Better Wealth Solutions. You guys see my face all the time, but you don't know, or maybe you do know, because uh, you were part of my story when I shared uh, the people behind this to make this work. And so I'm sitting next to Dan Kaminsky. Uh, his nicknames are uh, Dan the Man, Right Hand Dan. Like pretty much if you have an issue, he is there. He'll solve it, and uh, it's made me quite lazy in, in many areas of my life. But uh, man, in all with all joking aside, I'm so grateful you're in my life. Like, I, I literally wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you. Like, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be able to have the message and have the impact if it wasn't for the people that were literally selfless. And one thing you'll you'll hear from Dan's story is like he's genuinely passionate about like being the person behind the scenes, but like helping other people be more effective. And like, wow. I'm so, so blessed, man, that you're in my life, and I'm grateful that you're on the show, even though you're not necessarily the person that I had to kind of drag him on here. But I, but it's so important that you guys hear his story that it's like, you, I guarantee you when you start hearing his story, you're going to wonder why he's not the face in me. Well, thank you so much, Caleb. I, you know, ditto. I, I really appreciate you. I love you. I, you know, the opportunities that you have opened up and the, the things that we're going to be able to do together, the things that our team is going to be able to do uh, is just really incredible. And it's something that I am incredibly grateful for and I'm really actually excited for, which is not something that I'm usually outward about is, is, is excitement. But what we're able to do and, and the things that we're going to be able to do uh, is something that is is just really powerful. And I'm, I'm just so excited to be here uh, and I'm excited to have this interview. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. So, okay, so what we're gonna do is I want I want people to kind of get a backstory of a little bit of like, okay, you've grown up and you've kind of had a unique upbringing, but like that's shaped who you are today. So I want people to get that. I also want to get the, the story of like, okay, you becoming a client because you were literally one of my like, <laughs> you were a pain in the butt uh, to become a client because it was like, we, I mean, just it was it was crazy getting this this guy on board, but you became the biggest believer, and then so like talk about the aha moments there, and then finally kind of what you're doing it with this company, and I think as as entrepreneurs as people that listen to our podcast, like regardless of whether you're like extroverted like me and like love to talk, whether you hate to talk and you want to be behind the scenes, like you can be an entrepreneur. You're going to take your skill sets and truly make a difference elsewhere. So kind of backstory, your ahas, what we're doing now and uh yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun so awesome. so okay start with uh the upbringing of dan kaminsky 
Grew up in uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin, um, very close to, to Caleb, uh, same hometown. And I, you know, the the theme of this is going to be control, really. Like my, I grew up in a, a family where it wasn't so much controlling, but we were very structured. Right. And in the things that we did, we were very intentional in the things that we did. And uh, timing of things was something that we were, was always instilled in me of, you know, we, we need to... Uh, be on time to things. We need to be early for things. And something that I, I found so funny was cleaning my room, actually. Mm. My my mom always said, you know, you should clean your room, you should clean your room. And my argument was, well, but nobody's going to see my room. <laughs> exactly. And it wasn't until much later in life. And that's that's something else that, you know, I there were a lot of principles and, and things that were taught to me that I didn't necessarily understand or agree with at the time, but I'm incredibly grateful for them now. And, you know, both of my parents have been a big part of my life and continue to be, and they're actually, you know, it's awesome. They're part of the business and they're helping us. And I have an older brother who's also, uh, he joined the team a little less than a year ago. And so I, I ended up, you know, at 20 years old, I, I bought a house because mm. I never liked the idea of renting. And very quickly, I realized what my mom was talking about of cleaning the house, because anytime somebody came over, I was busy cleaning the whole place. And it was, it was, you know, later in life where those principles came in and I was like, wow, actually, you know, it, I, I get it now. Uh, but so I, you know, was always outdoors, always wanted to do things outdoors. I was heavily into boy, boy scouting. I'm an Eagle Scout and I really just enjoyed being outdoors. I loved, um, you know, being able to fish and hike and camp and, and do all these things. And that was something that my, my parents really uh, instilled in us as well. They almost every summer, every year, we would go out to Wyoming, we'd go hiking, we'd go camping, we, you know, do all these things. And through that, I was always the navigator. I loved maps. I loved being yeah. able to, you know, chart the course and figure out where we're going, how we're going to get there. And through also that time was, you know, the dawn of dial-up internet. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and that was, believe it or not, I do remember dial up like because we lived out in the country. So that's like what we had even throughout high school. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So I, I really took a liking to, you know, the unique sound. And for those of you that know that sound, it, it is quite unique and I won't, I won't give it right now. Cause I, would, but so I, I really took a liking to computers. It was something I, I've always wanted to take things apart, put them back together again. And and I, you know, computers, I just was a great, great thing for me. And, but I was also introverted. So I ended up spending a lot of time. I mean, you were super entrepreneurial. I, I was always coming up with ideas. I was doing all, like I had a million plus ideas and my, my dad was always the one that would tell me every reason why it wasn't going to work. And we actually went so far as that we were going to start a business for him called dreamcrushers.com because every idea that I came up with, it, it was why it wasn't going to work or, you know, some form or fashion of, you know, basically the structure of all the things that I actually didn't even think about. And that's another thing at the time, I, it was really frustrating. But now it what that taught me was to think outside of the box, right. to, to think of things that I never would have thought of before. Right. Now, let, let's go back to your dad. So you love your parents dearly. They're actually incredible advocates for what we do. Uh, but growing up, 
I can sort of relate because my dad was very much like, you know, PhD, like I will tell you what's wrong with the idea before, you know, looks at, you know, kind of the opportunities. How do you think that like that kind of messes with you that like that rubs off on you? Did you find yourself like doubting ideas or like not taking advantage of things growing up because you didn't want to fail? Well, it was, it was always the the mindset that something was going to fail before it even began. Mm. So it, it came to a point where I, I no longer really verbalized those ideas and ended up, you know, I, I played a video game 2,000 hours one summer. Mm. Mm. I got really good at that video game, but it was it was like that that was manifesting my my introvertedness uh i you know went through a time where i was labeled as the slacker i was doing everything possible to not have to do things you know in, in school i would do the least amount of work possible to to get by what's your what's your favorite quote by you know uh, bill gates he says he would much rather hire a lazy person because he's going to find the most efficient way to get something done yeah, I, I personally love that quote caleb doesn't i hate that quote I... <laughs> but yeah i but the idea is like you you're incredibly talented gifted and yet you just didn't really apply yourself to much things growing up because you know why it was just a mindset thing i instead of failing forward i just chose not to even mm. attempt to fail yeah and that's something that, you know, through this business and through talking to people is you just have to get out there and do something. Absolutely. You know, I, I grew up in a very perfectionist type um, right. household where, um, you know, it, it was everything was in a certain way. And I've, I've learned that done is better than perfect, yeah. which was really hard for me to totally. get over, you know? Yeah. I, and I think you actually were frustrated with me initially because I, yeah. I wanted to do things and make sure everything was, you know, in order. And not to say that things can't be done well, but getting a message out or getting a product out or, right. or getting, you know, a business started is gonna get you and, and allow you to learn way more than you would have if you didn't even start something. Right, so let's let's fast forward, you, you get, fascinated with with like GIS geography you could go through college uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that you getting the job um, and then that's kind of when we we met after you were, were running the university right part. so I I went to University of Wisconsin Stevens Point uh, the same place my dad went to the same place my brother went to and so I was a pointer through and through I went for geographic information systems and in a about a year and a half, I finished the degree requirements for that wow. for that major, and I went to the school and I said, "Hey, can I graduate?" And they said, "No, we you know, basically we want more money. We we want you to have your full course credits." So I, I sat down with my advisor and I devised a plan that I could actually get all four geography majors in mm -hmm. four years if all the the ducks lined up in a row i was i was able to do it it took a little work it took a, some some overload but i am the only as far as i know the only person will be the only person to get all four geography degrees oh. at least at, at that university in in four years but through that time i i started working in the surplus store actually i was mm -hmm. and if you know me i'm i'm not a salesperson and I was actually fixing up computers and selling them. Past that, I was working in the actual IT department as a student, uh, doing all sorts of various things across campus. Uh, but when I was when I was 20 years old, a position opened up in the student union mm. that was more than double than what I was making as a student, and it was a actual permanent state. And it was a, was it a full time job? It was a 50 percent 
okay. state job. So it was halftime. I was still a full-time student. I was working full-time as a student and I called the HR department and they they literally laughed at me over the phone because I, I didn't even know if I could apply through all of those things. And so if, if you know me. Yeah, it's some people you have to like encourage to get them to work harder. I have to tell Dan he can't do it to get him to work harder. <laughs> yeah. so, so just tell me I can't do it and I'm going to go figure out a way to do it. And so I applied, I interviewed, they really liked me. And I, you know, took over that position and, and really what it was, was taking over a lot of specialized software and systems on campus that had, you know, not had attention for a very long time. And I covered uh, 29 departments across three buildings, uh, 40 full-time staff and 300 student workers. And there was everything from basic computing mm. to point of sale systems, security cameras, door access, meal plans, uh, university ticketing, university store, wow. uh, all these different things. And I really took a liking to efficiency and automation. Yeah. And I had this passion of, you know, I, I was still a student, but because of my family history and, and being pointers and still being a pointer, being able to give back to the students was something that I was, I really, really enjoyed. And I realized that if I could take my skill set and help other people help the students, I in turn could create a way bigger impact yep. than I could by myself. And so I began doing that. I began systematizing things and began optimizing things and, mm. and making things paperless because the, there had been systems that were paper-based for 30 plus years. I want to kind of paint a picture here. So in my story, at 19 years old, I took over a corner office of, of a bank, had a really nice office. The university, you oversaw a ton of departments. You had over 300 student workers, you know, up reporting to you, like insane. And you also had a very nice corner office in the student union building, which by the way, was the nicest building on campus. So it was kind of that, it's kind of interesting how the parallelism there. Yeah, I mean, it It was a lot of fun. I, it was something that I, I truly enjoyed, but I also, you know, I was on the same path as my parents. Mm, they, yep. There was a mindset of, you know, good, hard, honest work, um, pay into the system. You know, there was the, traditional Wisconsin retirement account, uh, which was, you know, something that I just grew up with. I, I knew it because that's, that was the same system that both of my parents had. And, but I was, I was always wanting more. I was still kind of in that entrepreneurial mode and wanting to do different things. So I started reading books about, um, you know, real estate and passive income and which if you do real estate, you know, it's not the most passive income in the world, but, uh, I wanted to start building up that entrepreneurial spirit again. And so I, I was looking into real estate, was going to do some fix and flips. And I knew Caleb worked at the bank at the time. And so we, we actually met playing Ultimate Frisbee a number of years earlier. But by the way, if anyone thinks they're good at Ultimate Frisbee, Dan and I will challenge you to a two-on-two. You have to find a partner, but we will crush you. Just just throwing that out there. <laughs> so after a night of Frisbee, I, I just walked up to Caleb and I said, hey, you know, I, I want to have a relationship with a local bank. I feel like I was born in the wrong generation. I'm very traditional. I want to have a handshake with somebody and, and be able to execute a deal. And so he, he said, you know, of course, you know, I'll introduce you to the commercial loan officer. And, you know, I don't know if it was the next day or a couple of days later, I went to his office and he literally closes the door behind me. And instead of introducing me to anybody, he starts whiteboarding the strategies that we now teach. And to be frank, I, I absolutely hated what he was showing me. What did you what did you hate most about it? 
you know, I, I grew up in a very traditional pay cash for everything, debt is bad, put all your money in tax deferred accounts because you'll be in a lesser tax bracket when you retire. My, my parents are uh, big couponers. It's actually yeah. something I'm, I'm somewhat fascinated about. I would love to know how much money they've saved over the years from couponing. So I, I just follow that same mentality. That's, that's what I was taught. And so what you were teaching me went against everything that I thought to be true about money, but I'm also a very inquisitive person. I'm very analytical and I, I was curious. And I was just at the time thrilled that someone was listening to me. Like I, I just, I still remember that. I, I like whiteboard, that little whiteboard in my office. It was magical. So, so we had, how many meetings did we have? I think we had six meetings. Yeah. This, this guy was a pain, but I loved it. Yeah, and I, I needed to see the numbers. I needed to see it frontwards, backwards, sideways. I Conceptually, it made sense to me, but it, it there were two things that I kept coming back to. It's too good to be true, and why haven't I heard of this before? Did, was the fact that we were doing life insurance, like, was that kind of alarming to you? Yeah, I mean... Because you're a researcher. Like, but, go Reddit, leap life insurance, and, like, see what happens. It's not going to be pretty. You know, the the traditional mantra of buy term, invest the difference. Now, I, I, I wouldn't say I was necessarily instilled that, but I was aware of it. And to put your money in life insurance, it was like... I, I call it, you know, everybody knows the sleazy door-to-door -door <laughs> salesman of life insurance. Like everybody knows somebody that sells life insurance. Why would I, why would I do that? Right. And so I, I started researching. I started reading books. I started reaching out to people. And I, I kind of became fascinated with it. It was something that, that kept coming back and something that we talk about almost every day is control. Previously to that time frame in college, I had a small online business. I was selling PC parts online wholesale and I was amassing so much money so quickly. PayPal actually froze my account for 180 days. 180 days, it's a long time. And you know, I contacted them, they said, that it's it. I'm sorry. You know, your money's locked up and that's it. You know, at that time at 20 years old, that was a considerable amount of money and not being able to access it was tough, especially when I was just getting back into my entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. So I, you know, after Caleb got me to the point where this made sense, I wanted to do it. I said, okay, now you have the biggest task I know of to date is to convince my dad. So go, go back to the dreamcrushers.com. <laughs> so, so I, at the time, you didn't give me the overview that your dad was like this, like very skeptical person. So I'm like super pumped, you know, driving up to his house and then, you know, I mean, the meeting went somewhat good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Caleb is, as most of you know, he's he's awesome and um, very loving and caring and very intelligent. And he just kind of laid out like very fun spirited. Here it is. This is very this, passionately. Yeah, very passionately. And I knew that it was it was kind of there was that massive skepticism, the same right. thing that I had. And I it ended up being another meeting with him. Right. Um, by then, I was already convicted that I was going to do this. Right. So I, I actually, at the time, I put over 30% of my take-home pay yeah. into a life insurance contract, which to most people, especially at that age, would be like, I'm insane. I mean, what, what the big thing is, people don't want to be the first to take action. And in a way, like I, I took action. There's other people that we know that were clients, but like you were pretty you were an early adapter in the people that you knew. And it go and you talked about the 
talked about control, but like, what was the aha moment for you? Mine was not having to choose, not having to choose between someday in the future and now in the present. What was your aha moment? My aha moment was actually coming down to leverage. Interesting. Because I wanted to get into real estate and you showed me the application of how could this could be used in real estate and how, how banks make money you know, by leveraging other people's money. And I could leverage my own dollars in a life insurance contract and go buy a property and have no money out of pocket by yeah. doing so. Yeah. And the rate of return on those dollars was over 100%. Yep, because of leverage. Which was way higher than anything I'd ever imagined. Right. You know, I was looking at real estate and, and looking at a, a minimum cash on cash of 15%. And now I'm looking at on those dollars, 100% plus rate of return. That was something that was just completely blew me out of the water. And once I realized that it was actually possible, right. that's really what made it click for me. And then also looking at what I was doing in my retirement account at the university. You know, I, I, I graduated, I got the four degrees. I had that position ended up going full time. You know, I was, it was well-paid. I had full benefits. I, you know, state benefits. I had a month of vacation. I was set in the traditional eyes, you know, right. there's lots and lots of college graduates that would kill for something like that. Right. And it still was, it was leaving me unfulfilled. And what was interesting was after I had the aha moment about the, the life insurance was my retirement was actually crippling me. Yeah, totally. 100%. Because I, I didn't have that control. Yep. And here's the crazy thing is I liquidated my retirement account. I gave up literally 50%. You know, people talk about the free money all the time. They matched dollar for dollar. I gave up well over, you know, fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 and it was okay. Right. Because I was now back in control of my money, right. but I wasn't yet. Yeah. Because it actually takes 60 to 120 days wow. to get that wow. money. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a perfect example of like, you have zero control. Zero. Like literally when you think about it, most people are enslaved to the system. They literally have this false security. It is false security. Your, your money is, you can't really access it without penalty. Your hope taxes don't increase and you hope the stock market doesn't fall apart. That's, that's like false security keep you at work, but you can't leave work because you don't have money. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's insane. And like, what's funny, and I'm getting excited, is like, Dan and I, like, when I first started in this, like, I would be like, and, and by the way, if you work with me, like, I'll, if you love your 401k, I'll still be friends with you. But like, the more and more we look at like the 401k, we're like, there's like n nothing good. Like, you could argue that the match is good. But like, oh, my goodness, 401ks are the worst thing in the world. And like, you are really passionate about like, I might just, we might make you a t-shirt about 401ks well here's the deal is you know you talk about you know not liking a 401k do you as the listener do you know anybody that you sit around with do they start talking about how excited they are about their 401k and excited about what it's doing for them and the things that they're going to be able to do later on in life with it because i don't but I do know a lot of people that are really passionate about life insurance and the benefits that it has and the benefits that you can actually utilize today right? and be able to go do amazing things. Well, and I, and I think it's, it's less about, I mean, when, when the market goes up, everyone loves, loves their 401k, but, the, but the, do they really like the 401k or do they just like 
Like you don't, I guarantee you, you don't fully understand how this whole thing works. And it, the more you understand about like how these things actually work, how it works actually at retirement, like it becomes a little bit less desirable and no one really loves life insurance, but I would argue that they love what it can do for them. Absolutely. And, and like, that's what we're talking about is like our clients, like, like we're like celebrities. It's awesome. <laughs> like, it's like, I, I like, I get paid to do this. Like, this is great. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, the with the 401k or any really almost any traditional retirement account, it's it's like playing the lottery almost. Mm-hmm. And it's an emotional roller coaster. I saw this in my own family where at Thanksgiving I, I hear I don't care who you vote for. My 401k is through the roof and they're just on top of the world. And then at Christmas, it's like, oh, my goodness, my 401k is right. just down. It's down a couple thousand dollars. I'm like a couple thousand dollars. You know, and just wait. right. Exactly. And that's the thing is like our our generation especially they they've been investing or saving in the greatest bull market of all time right and yet you know what is that going to look like long term right you know our our parents and you know even the people a little bit older than us were saving and investing through the crash and it hurt. I mean, right. it hurt a lot of people. But our our generation, we lived through it, but we weren't really yeah. truly affected by. Oh, uh, we haven't get kicked in the mouth yet, right? And so I, it's just it's fascinating to me. The the thing I love is like the I I have this thing of the American dream. You know, it used to be to have a two story house with a white picket fence. You know, a loving spouse, two and a half kids, a dog, two and a half kids, <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and a million dollars in a four hundred one k. You know, and the reality is how many people even have a million dollars in a 401k? Fidelity has, I think, the most uh, 401k accounts in the country. And the average balance is $107,000 at retirement. Yep. It... It's literally insane. And but even if you had that million dollars at the safe withdrawal rate of 3%, that's that's $30,000. You know, even that at that at face value, what is that really going to get you? But guess what? You have to pay tax on that. Right. For us, you know, at retirement age, which we don't like the word retirement, but in twenty sixty dollars, what are you know in, in twenty sixty, yeah. what are what are taxes going to be? I mean, what are taxes going to be, and what is thirty k going to be able to buy for you? <laughs> Even yeah. today, at, at let's say at thirty percent, now I'm down to twenty one thousand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he when he says thirty percent, he means thirty percent taxes. Like the reality is this: like no one, like when I say no one, obviously there's people that have more than a million bucks in retirement accounts but like on an average people aren't able they don't even have anything close to that and it's because you give up total control so you're that limits to how much money you save when we talk about our aha moments it's not just the vehicle it's like the whole spectrum of what opens it up okay so you're working at the university you have a cushy job you get convicted you you've put 30% of your what your take home into the the system and and then then why are you here like why are you here what why did you want to leave your cushy gig to do this and um yeah talk talk to me about that i just quickly realized when i when i had my aha moment that people need to know about this like we we have an incredible tool that very few people know about and people need to know about it. It's it's something that the wealthy of the world have been doing for a long time. Banks, other big corporations have been doing for a very long time. The Rockefellers have been doing this for six generations. You know, once once I started learning of the power of this, 
I knew that people needed to know. Like I, yeah. I saw and still see to this day what has happened to my own family. Right. I see what happens to families all over the country and it's all preventable. 100%. And mathematically, like right. it's a four letter word, math. There, there's so many things that go into that of like the, the way the current government situation is with the national debt, student loan debt is going to be a huge crisis already is. Right. And it all comes down to math. So for me, it, it was like, okay, I, I had this kind of transformation from the, the traditional knowledge to this new way of thinking. And I just, I had this conviction that people need to know this right. stuff. So I very quickly, I went to Caleb and I was like, Hey, I'm ready to leave my you know, to be career to jump all in with you and, and do this thing. And, and one thing that you got to know is our business. So like in dealing, helping people with money, not only are we young, but like we also in, in the strategies that we teach, like you have to take a health test. So you're not only teaching, like talking about money, which is private, but you're also talking about health is just private. So most people don't make any money in our business, by the way, like, especially we're doing something even more advanced, which makes us get paid a lot less so when i hear dan's like okay bro like i know you're excited about this but like we're this is not like this is not as easy as you think and i want you to know because dan's not necessarily going to say this but dan worked for free for a whole year helping me build better wealth because you believe so much in it and i we had a we had an office down in the basement division street and uh, we had we had the long some long nights of uh, and th- I, I, honestly, man, like it those are those are some special times. Yeah, it was it was incredible. You were smart enough to say, hey, you know, it's probably not a good idea to jump in. And here, I actually usually Caleb's the one that wants to jump into every new thing, and I'm I'm the speed bump and saying, hold on. And then now this was the refer- reverse where I'm like, hey, you know, we should do this, and. Caleb's like, uh, I, yeah. So, so I mean, I I actually continued to work for almost a full year after becoming a client. Yeah. And interestingly, resigned from my position the same day that my mom retired of her oh, job of thirty nine cool. years. That's so, really so that was really cool. And you know, now we've we've just been we've been going crazy, doing all sorts of awesome things, and helping a lot of people. And I. I, again, you know, I'm just really grateful, really happy to be here and and super, super excited. Gave your backstory, gave some ah ahas and, and there will be other content to come. Um, Dan can get passionate. It's, it's a, it looks a little bit different, but if you get him going, he's, he's fired up. Um, but now as you're, you run operations, you, you like, you get what we're trying to do, but from an operational standpoint, like talk to us about like this industry, what we're doing differently and how we're literally going to change the game. Cause like, uh, this is going to be on record, by the way, we are going to change the game in this business and it's only a matter of time. And I'm really excited to do it with you. Yeah, I mean, my my big thing coming into this was knowing that, number one, financial services is in a niche. Everybody has a financial need. People need to know this stuff. But also that the average financial advisor is 54 years old. Yeah, it's nuts. You know, after, you know, before meeting you, I didn't know anybody young that was in the financial space. And a lot of people still to this day are like... I mean, our friends that interned, but like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll, we won't comment there, but like you either like get in and get out, but the people that last are. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was, it was interesting to me because 
coming into this industry was almost like coming back into higher education where right. I came into a system that was the same for 30 plus years. And now, you know, jumping into the financial industry where same thing, a lot of paper pushing, a lot yeah. of inefficiencies. And I understand because, you know, data security is a big thing nowadays. Uh, I actually got off of all social media over 10 years ago because I knew what was going on with data and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, coming into this now, I can be able to optimize and and create efficiencies and automate things and actually bring this entire industry to the next, like into the 21st century. Yeah. You know, we're we're almost in like working in the stone ages it feels like sometimes of having to snail mail things and it's like we're in 2019 and i know a lot of you know people long term in the business would scoff at that but right. you know we are in a lot of ways we're we're going to change the game we're we're not only going to change the game as it relates to how people think about money but we're going to change the game how the industry operates yes we we really want to create an incredible impact and i don't even say we want to we're going to and you know, we're we're gonna change the way people think about money. We absolutely are, and we're gonna do it securely. And we're gonna do it securely. And we're gonna do it efficiently. <laughs> so, hey, so it's it's really important that you guys get to hear some of the people that are behind this message because, I mean, and it's funny because we we have people that like are become clients of ours that ironically meet Dan because I'll I'll bring him to events like I'll drag him along and and it's funny because Dan will always have this line like and I'm only the IT guy you got to talk to the and but what's really cool is like think about it it's like everyone on our team has made sacrifices to do what they're currently doing and and that that ultimately means they have more motivation than just money and like dude like you're making less money in this transition of us building this thing than what you could be making, but the impact that we're gonna have, and the money will come, but like the impact that we'll have, it like, it literally gives me chills. And I'm, I'm like, again, incredibly grateful to have someone that is gifted in other areas, that's skilled in other areas that can help us actually execute the things that we need to execute. And so uh, do you have any final words for the Better Wealth community and uh, the people listening to this podcast? You know, something that I, I want to get better at is gratitude. Mm. You know, I, I feel like we're, as a society, are so stuck in the my team versus your team yeah. mentality. And I, I'm just incredibly grateful for the people, you know, on our team. I'm yeah. incredibly grateful for you. I'm incredibly grateful for my parents and everybody that has believed in me and believed in us. Right. And like, I, I would really challenge every listener to, you know, tell somebody you're grateful for them. You tell them that you love them. Tell them, you know, something that means they something they've done that means a lot to you. That's something that I like almost every day. I want to write a letter to somebody and just tell them that I'm grateful for them. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing would be, you know, what we do is different, right? hundred percent. But that doesn't mean it's this big, scary thing or it's something that can't be true. And, you know, I I know on a lot of your podcasts, you ask like, what would you tell yourself back when? Well, we're, we're in back when right now, it'll be fun to listen to this in 20 years, but you know, if, if I could tell myself even five years ago, I would, you know, go to that curiosity and mm. try and learn as much as I could. I would read your book and I would read it five times. Yeah. And then I would, I would read other books and figure out how this can work because the crazy thing about compound interest is it's, it's simple. 
actually. It really is. It's not complicated. It's time, it's interest rate, and it's volume of money. Yep. And five years of time can be an incredible difference long term. Right. And for me, knowing what I know now, I wish I could tell myself five years ago. I wish I could tell myself. I, you, you, now you have to tell the story about the client who is delaying. And you said this, like, literally, like, I'm like this harmonizer, like, everyone's amazing. And I get this email because I get CC'd. And Dan literally sends off this fiery little snappy little email to one of our clients. Is like, he was like being a little bit like, I'm going to wait off. And he's like, every moment you wait, you're killing compound interest. And I'm like, wow. Like, you must have had a rough day. <laughs> but it's it's so – now it's like it's so easy. It's just – it kind yeah. of – but it, it's – you. I understand people have to come to that aha moment. They have to come to that epiphany. But, you know, I would just say that I was in the same place. I was a massive skeptic. I was probably your hardest client. Yeah. And now I'm one of the biggest believers, and I want to tell everybody I know about yep. this because they need to know about it. 100%. No, yep. we have gold on our hands and people just need to know what we know. And yep. that's what we're out to do. So thank you so much for listening. Well, and we got to do our last question. So so gratitude, I 100% live by this. Like I'm super grateful for you, the listener, and uh, just grateful for our team and the people that we get to serve. So that's that's number one. And then, and then really the big, the aha moment for me with compounding was like, it's not just this year, it's the 86 year it's your literally your last year of life that's the year that you're not compounding if you don't start now and it's that that could be it literally could be like half a million dollars depending on you know how much money you put it that's what's pretty nuts and crazy uh but dan let's say it's your last day on this earth you're with the people that you love the the most with your family what are the things that you're telling them on the things that you've just learned in your in your life so far like what are the things that you're going to pass on or share with them um if you know that this is your last day it's a great question and i think i would say don't be afraid to take chances hmm. and that's something that i struggled with for a very long time and now that's something that i'm actually really enjoying and i don't mean to beat a dead horse but with the life insurance that i have now yep taking advantage of opportunities yep. is a completely different mindset yeah it's it's unlike anything before and i i had a real estate deal come across and i didn't even think twice i was like sure i'll i'll go half with you yeah. i never would have thought of that before yeah but the only reason I'm able to do that is because I have control of my money. But it's it's also the mindset of being able, being okay with the fact of, you know, maybe you'll screw up. Yeah. Some of the most successful people in the world have failed thousands of times. Yeah. And, you know, the, the other thing is to be okay to be different. Yeah. Do you think the Elon Musks of the world or the Jeff Bezoses of the world or the Bill Gates or the Warren Buffetts, they're very clearly doing something different yep. than what everybody else is doing. And that's really what I would challenge, you know, my loved ones is, you know, challenge the status quo and go after what is different because more than likely it's going to turn out really well and, and it is crazy to think like life goes so quickly and we're i mean we're both super young coming on this show and i you might be like nearing the end of your life listening to this you might be like younger than us but like it goes by super quickly and that's one of the things that i've learned in just talking to people is like like i literally heard a billionaire give a presentation last weekend and he said he would give it up 
he would give up everything to be our age. And it just gives you perspective to think like, wow, like let's let's live a life that we with no regrets. And that's something that I 100% see the biggest change in you just the last two years is like you now adopted that. Whereas like four years ago, that was just such a foreign concept. Hey guys, uh, stay tuned for, for more conversations with Dan. We'll see if I can be successful and drag him in. Uh, but man, thank you so much. And um, yeah, if, you, if you're enjoying this podcast, please share. Um, and because we really do believe we have a message that matters. And so the more people that can share and subscribe, uh, just it means the true, it just means the world to us. And so thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Live life with no regret. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.